Hello everyone, good to see you, good to see everyone here. Now, this morning I wanted to just look at one verse. We might often read the Bible and I hope your mums and dads read with you and pray with you and teach you things from the Bible. But often we can look at a verse, we can look at a passage and see one verse and think, oh that's a nice one, that's a really good one. And then we move on to the next one without thinking too much about the one that we're on. So this morning we're just going to look at one verse from Psalm 27 mostly which is verse 1 that Graham read before, which says this, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Now, easy question here for you. What's the first thing David says about God here? Jonathan. Not quite. Look at the verse. What does he say? The first thing he says is, Sam? Exactly, the Lord is my light. Now you say, the Lord is my light. What does that actually mean? Well, if the Lord is my light, what does that make me if I don't have the Lord? Name? Dark. Dark, exactly. If I say, the Lord is my light, then if I don't have the Lord, that means that I'm darkness. Yeah, and the Bible often uses the word light to mean good and pure. And the Bible often uses the word darkness to mean evil. And if God is our light, then that means without him, then we're darkness. Now, a few of you remember at the light party last year, remember when I had the pumpkins out at the front here? And I asked you a question. I said, if you were in a dark place and someone turned on a big light like this, if you're in a dark place and someone turned on a light, would that light be a good thing or would it be a bad thing? Jonathan? A good thing? Why would it be a good thing? Because you're giving someone light. Sam? It could be a bad thing if you're hiding from someone. Ah, that's a good point. It could be a bad thing if you're hiding from someone. And last year I said, it depends. Because if you are trying to hide, maybe you're playing hide and seek, you don't want the light, you want to keep it as dark as you can. But if you're trying to find your way, then you want it as light as you can, so you can see where you're going. And you know, the Bible tells us that we are people who try to hide from the light of God because we love our sinful hearts. Now, we're going to look at a verse from Romans, two verses from Romans, Romans chapter 3. They'll come up on the screen there. And they say this. This is a man called Paul writing. And he says, no one is righteous. Now, what's that word righteous mean? Do you know? Name? Good. Yeah, good. Righteous means good, pure, holy. And Paul says, no one is righteous. No, not one. There is none who understands. Now, sometimes we can do good things. But the Bible says our hearts are dark. And he says there's no one who seeks after God. Now sin is very tempting, isn't it? It's enticing. It's, it's lovely to look at. It's pleasurable. And we can love our greed and our selfishness. And we can love to have our own way and think that the way we want to go is the best. And that's because all of our hearts are dark. There's no light within us. And the man who wrote this psalm, Psalm 27, was, can you have a guess? 
Who wrote a lot of the Psalms? Sam? David, King David, the one with Goliath who threw the slingshot, that very same guy, wrote this psalm. And he was a man who knew just how dark a heart could be. Because we read loads of stories where he coveted in his heart, he even stole another man's wife, and then arranged for that man to be killed. And he had a lot of sons and daughters, and they all hated each other, they hurt each other, and David didn't do much about it. David knew just how dark a heart could be. And yet he wrote, God is my light. He knew there was no light inside of him, but he said, God is my light. So what does it mean for God to be my light? Well, there are two things I could think of that a light does. If we think, what does a light do? And a light does, can you think of anything, Jonathan? It can help you make your way in the dark, yeah. It can reveal darkness, can't it? If there's a way that you can see that you, it's full of darkness, the light can reveal it all and you can see. And often, this is true, that the closer you get to the light, the clearer you can see the dirt. If you've got a dirty hand, and I've got this torch here, and I put the torch there on my hand, and it's far away. I might not be able to see it very well, but if the light is close, the closer the light is, the clearer you can see all of the dirt. And the Bible tells us that the closer we are to God, the more we see ourselves. The more we see of God's holiness, God's goodness, and God's amazingness, the more we see our own sin and how terrible we are. The more we see God's light, the more we see how dark our own hearts are. And there's another thing that light does. So light reveals darkness and exposes darkness. And it does another thing. Can you have a guess name? Exactly. It shows you the way to go. Now, we often think of lighthouses, don't we? When we think about light and things like this. Now, lighthouses, we often think they do one thing, which is show the safe way to go. But they actually do two things. Some lighthouses are right next to big rocks, big dangerous places. So lighthouses have two purposes. One is that they show you the safe way to go, but lighthouses also show you the dangerous places to stay away from. And that's what God is like. In the Bible, God shows us how very dangerous sin is. Sin isn't just little mistakes that we make. But sin is like a magnet that draws towards it the iron rod of God's anger. Sin is like poisoned chocolate that tastes really good, but it will kill you in the end. And that's how serious and dangerous sin is. But God also shows us the way that is safe. And that's exactly why David writes the next thing about God, which is God is my salvation. God is the one who saves. And all through the Bible we can see this. Ben just stood here and he told you about Moses, how God saved him. And God saved Noah and his family from the flood. God saved Abraham from King Abimelech when Sarah, his wife, was about to be taken away from him. God saved Lot and his daughters from Sodom and Gomorrah. God saved Jacob from the anger of Esau, his brother. God saved Isaac from being sacrificed. He saved Joseph from from Egypt and all of the anger of his brothers. And God saved 
Uh, Moses from being killed by Pharaoh, as Ben just told us. God saved Joshua and the Israelites from Jericho. He saved Deborah from the Canaanites. He saved Gideon from the Midianites. He saved Samson from the Philistines. He saved Ruth and Naomi from the famine in Judah. And David's known all of these people. And now he's writing, God is my salvation as well. All of these people couldn't do a thing to save themselves. But they had to trust in their hearts somebody else to do something for them that they couldn't do. And so David says, God is my salvation. Now, why did God save all of these people all of these times? Because we read about all these people in the Bible, from Adam all the way down. And we read about how they've sinned and they've done stupid things. And yet God has saved them time and time and time again. And we might think, why has God saved them? Well, God has saved them because he's keeping his promises to his people. And because he's protecting a family tree where he can bring the saviour of the whole world. And that is Jesus. So... If you are listening carefully to two of the hymns we sang before, then they said a lot about what Jesus saves us. Because when we, we see God is my salvation, ultimately we know as Christians that God saves us from our sin and from the judgment that we deserve. So we sang this before. Come behold the wondrous mystery in the dawning of the King. He, the theme of heaven's praises, robed in frail humanity. In our longing, in our darkness, now the light of life has come. Look to Christ who condescended, that's a big word, that just means made himself low. Who condescended, took on flesh to ransom us. Come behold the wondrous mystery, Christ the Lord upon the tree. In the stead, that means in the place of ruined sinners, hangs the lamb. In victory, see the price of our salvation, see the Father's plan unfold, bringing many sons to glory, grace unmeasured, love untold. And then the second hymn we sang, my Jesus, I love, me, I love thee, I know thou art mine. For thee, all the pleasures of sin. Now there is a lot of pleasure in sin, you know. But he says, for thee, all the pleasures of sin, I resign. That means I give up. My gracious Redeemer, my Saviour art thou. If ever I loved thee, loved thee my Jesus, tis now. I love thee because thou hast first loved me and purchased my pardon on Calvary's tree. I love thee for wearing the thorns on thy brow. If ever I loved thee, my Jesus, tis now. Now, I don't know about you, but did you even realise that you were singing those words before? Did your heart sing as your mouth sang them? Were your heart, was your heart full of joy? Or did you just sing it because that's what we did? But for David, he's one who can say with joy, the Lord is my salvation and my light. Now, you might ask, Hmm. The Lord is my salvation. Does that mean whenever I get into trouble, whenever I have any problem, that God will save me? No, it doesn't mean that at all. 
Now, you might hear some people say, Jesus is like a superhero. And you think, oh, a superhero. Superheroes save people when they're in trouble, don't they? So when I'm in trouble, that means Jesus will save me. But, you know, that's not quite right. We heard with Moses before, Moses had a lot of trouble. Job in the Bible had a lot of trouble. Joseph had a lot of trouble. Sometimes God lets you and me go through trouble to bring about something good. Sometimes God lets us go through a really hard time in order to bring about good. And so that our hearts and our minds look more and more like his. So God can save from trouble and problems and suffering, but even if he doesn't, it's okay. And the reason why is the third thing, because God is the strength of my life. Now, it's a funny little phrase that, the strength of my life, and I thought, how could I explain this? So, over here, I'll bring this over. Now, yesterday, I spent a lot of time making this little fella. Good, isn't he? Now, this guy's made of blue tech. I haven't thought of a name for him yet, but this is what it's like. The strength of my life. What do you think that means? Got a guess? Jonathan. <laughs> Strength, yeah? Strength of my life. Well, a lot of people try and find the strength of their life in loads of different things. It might be in technology. They might, as soon as you come home from school, you're instantly on your phone, on your iPad, and that's the strength of your life. It means what makes you happy. It means what you build your life upon. Or it might be food. A lot of people eat and eat and eat and drink and drink and drink and try and find loads of happiness and that's the strength of their life. Or it might be friends or family. Or it might be doing well at school. It might be all of these kinds of things. Now I made this little man and I made him for me. Now this is what it's like. If me and you try and make any of these things the strength of our life, this is what it's like. We try and have it as our foundation, but it falls and it breaks. So it's no good. And we try and move to, what's this one, friend, no, food. We try and have food or drink, but then it can't hold the weight, can it? So maybe friends. We look to friends and we look to how much people like us. And we try and make that the strength of our life. But it doesn't quite work, does it? And we try and make doing well at school. We think, if only I can get good stuff on this test. If only I can get the next job. And yet, that doesn't work either. Now, who made... These little paper boxes. Jonathan. Me. And who made this little man? Jonathan. Me. Now, I made these paper boxes knowing that they wouldn't support the weight of the little man. Now, who actually made friends? I made this little box, but who makes friends? Jonathan? God. God. And who makes 
all the materials that we have to make technology? Jonathan? God. God. And who makes food? And who makes drink? And who makes our minds so that we can think things, Sam? God. God. And who makes you and me? Name? God. And God made all of these things knowing that if we try and make them the strength of our life, that they will fail. God made all of these things that we have in our lives, knowing that if we try and put our hope in them, if we try and put all our joy in them, try and find loads of happiness from them, that they will fail. God never designed them to give us the joy that we want. You might think that. You might think sometimes at the end of Sundays, when your mum tells you, we've got to go home now, you might think, oh, I've got to go home. And the joy fades. And it's because you're finding joy in things that cannot hold it. But all the time, this little man, he kept falling down, didn't he? But when I've got him, he doesn't fall down. Because I made him. And I made him for me. And you know, there's a verse in the Bible, which is Corinthians, no, it's Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, that says, God made all things... All things were made by God, and all things were made for God. God made you for him. Because God knows that you might try and find strength in all of these things, but they won't work. They'll fail. God knows the only thing that can give you strength is him. It's a little bit like the story of the Gruffalo. And I think... You know the story of the Gruffalo. What's the story of the Gruffalo? Jonathan, go on. Very quickly. As quick as you can, go on. The mouse took a stone and he got wood and he met some animals and then he met a Gruffalo. Yeah. And then the Gruffalo followed him. So then he met all the animals again and they were scared of the Gruffalo. So the Gruffalo thought they were scared of the mouse. Yeah. It actually wasn't. So exactly. Yeah. So the mouse. Yeah. Exactly. So the mouse had loads of different enemies, didn't he? He had the snake, the fox, the owl. And when the mouse was alone, all of these enemies could have had him easily, couldn't they? But when the mouse made the Gruffalo the strength of his life, the mouse had nothing to fear. The mouse could go up against the owl, go up against the snake and the fox and see them and not be afraid. Why? Because he had the big gruffalo behind him. And David is saying, God is the strength of my life. I can face armies, I can face enemies, but I don't have to fear because I've got God on my side. So David says, the Lord is my light, the Lord is my salvation, the Lord is the strength of my life. Therefore, I will not fear. Now, what's the word therefore mean? There's a lot of therefores in the Bible. What's it mean? Got a guess, Jonathan? Mm, not quite, name. Exactly. It means because of something. This is true. So if I say, I am hungry, therefore, I will eat. 
He is tired, therefore he will sleep. She is hurting, therefore I will comfort her. And David is saying, God is my light. God is my salvation and strength. Therefore, I will not fear. Because God is the most loving and the strongest person in the whole of existence. And if he's fighting for you and for you and for me, then what do I have to fear? Nothing. Nothing can stand against me if God is fighting for me. And so David says, whom shall I fear? There might be enemies with swords coming at me, but I don't have to fear them. I don't have to be afraid of anything, David says, because God is my light, God is my strength, God is my salvation. Now, I was going to finish there, but last week I was away with uh, YL, with Young Life at Kevinley. And I met one of my friends there who I haven't seen for a long time. And I met her in about 2012. That's a long time ago. That's older than some of you, 2012. And she's been on beach missions with me. She's grown up in church just like you. But recently, she started to turn away from God. And I sat down with her and talked to her about it as tears were streaming down her face. And here's why... She turned away from God, in my estimation. It's because she sees sin as enjoyable and exciting. And she sees God as dull and boring. And maybe you, maybe you at the front or maybe you at the back are like that. Maybe you think, okay, I know God is strong, but his strength doesn't satisfy me. I know God is Salvation, but I don't find that salvation wonderful. I know that God is light, but I don't see that light as being beautiful or wonderful. I don't see things the way David sees it, you might think. I don't love everything that David talks about. I don't love God the way David loves God. So, I'm going to add an extra point, and we'll continue reading to verse 4. So Psalm 27, verse 1, we'll read that again and then read to verse 4. The Lord is the light, sorry, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Therefore, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Therefore, of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war may rise against me. In this I will be confident. Now, pay attention to this bit. This is the point. Verse 4, David says, One thing I have desired of the Lord that I will seek. Now, if you would desire one thing from God, imagine that. What would it be? There's only one thing that David desires, and he says it. That I may dwell in the house of of the Lord all the days of my life. And you think, ah, that's it. Heaven is the goal. But no, it isn't. Heaven isn't what is in David's mind. Heaven isn't the aim. Heaven isn't what David is striving for. Look, he says, this is the reason why he wants to dwell in the house of the Lord. To behold the beauty of the Lord. 
and to inquire in his temple. See, if you think God is boring and dull, there's nothing wrong with God. The thing that's wrong is something in you. And that's the problem that my friend has. She couldn't see the beauty of God. All she could see is the pleasure of sin. And yet she didn't know what the Bible says, that the fullness of joy is found in God. We might think some of these things bring us joy, but God says the fullness of joy. So much of our life is trying to find things that will fill with joy, and we can't find it. But God says with him is the fullness of joy. So whether you're not a Christian, or whether you've been a Christian for 60 plus years, if you've never felt or understood or known God as being beautiful or pleasurable or all satisfying or better than all other things, then you don't know God as fully as you can. And there's so much more to God that you don't realize. See, if you think God is boring, then you don't know God as fully as you can, Christian or not. If you think that reading the Bible is boring, then you don't know God as fully as you can. If you think praying is boring, then you don't know God as fully as you can. If you think singing a long hymn or hearing a long sermon is boring, then you don't know God as fully as you can. How can I say that? Because David says, all the days of my life, my desire is to dwell in the house of the Lord and look, gaze upon his beauty all the days of my life. And yet you can't pray for five minutes or read the Bible for 15 or sing a hymn that's got eight verses or hear a talk that's more than half an hour. David says, all the days of my life is just, I want to see God's beauty. And I want to see how God, how wonderful God is because he knows it. See, the pleasures and joys that are to be found in God, you can't find anywhere else. You might try and find pleasure in all of these things and they'll let you down. Why? Because God never designed all of the things that he made to fill your joy. He never designed all the things that he made to save you or satisfy you or be your light. God knows that the only thing that can do that is him. Because he made you, he made me, for him. And all of the things that we try and build our life upon, like these things, will let us down. And the only one who can ever fill with true joy, that is the fullness of joy, is God himself. Now, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, if you have no idea what it is to feel or understand or know the beauty of the Lord, then listen to the words of our last hymn. How sweet the name of Jesus sounds in a believer's ear. Is the name of Jesus sweet to you? Or is it just a name like any other name? How sweet the name of Jesus sounds in a believer's ear. It soothes his sorrows, heals his wounds, and drives away his fear. It makes the wounded spirit whole and calms the troubled breast. 
Tis manna to the hungry soul and to the weary rest. That is the beauty of the Lord. It's seeing everything that God is. It's seeing everything that God has done, everything that God is doing, and everything that God promises to do by his grace and seeing how amazing that is. And the only way for you to see it yourself is for God to open your eyes to it. If I have a blind man here and I shine this torch on his face, I can put all of the light I want in front of his face, but he's not going to see it because he hasn't got the eyes to see. The only way me and you can see the beauty of the Lord and how amazing and wonderful he is, is for God to open our eyes and open our hearts. And may you do that. And may you want to know him more. The hymn continues, Dear name, the rock on which I build, my shield and hiding place, my never-failing treasury, filled with boundless stores of grace. Jesus, my shepherd, brother, friend, my prophet, priest, and king, my Lord, my life, my way, my end, accept the praise I bring. Don't become like my friend who's seen sin as pleasurable. Now, sin is pleasurable, but sin will lead you to destruction. Do you know what I mean when I say that? That sin will lead you to destruction. It's because all of our sin is storing up God's anger and God's judgment against us. That's what I mean. Sin is enjoyable, but it will lead you to destruction. Sin is enjoyable, but God is better. And I am darkness, but God is my salvation. God is my light. I am lost, but God is my salvation. I am weak, but God is my strength. Therefore, I will rejoice in his beauty and I will not fear. Can you say that? You can. And I pray that you will.